This episode is not one of our typical shows. Normally, we address a topic such as anxiety, depression, insight in relation to mindfulness. However, this episode was recorded in front of a live audience. Jacob and I tell our story of how we met and how the aware mind came to be. If you like the making of shows or the backstories, then this episode is for you. If not, you might want to skip this particular episode and listen to one of our previous shows. All right, let's get started. I have in my notes here, Jacob asks Sarah, uh, just kidding. No. <laughs> so Sarah, how did you get into the profession that you're in? Profession of the mind. I started my meditation training when I was 26 years old. So a long time ago, I was also a practicing hypnotherapist. I began actually by teaching meditation to children. I was living in LA and started just at a community center. I didn't have children. I wasn't really in those mom groups. I was pretty young putting out flyers and saying, Hey, I'm teaching classes for children, how to learn how to meditate. That became such a phenomenon. People were coming to those classes who didn't even have children when they heard what I was doing, because nobody literally was doing this. This was brand new. This was 20 years ago before this was a thing. I realized that there was such a need for it. I wrote a book. I created a course. I was training parents, teachers, and therapists, how to teach meditation to children. And I did that specifically for about 15 years. About five years ago, I shifted gears and really just focused on working with adults, training adults how to teach other adults how to meditate. And the last year, I started doing mindfulness coaching to help people on the personal level with stress. What was it about mindfulness that originally attracted you to the practice? I had heard some people talk about the uh, meditation app Headspace on a couple podcasts. And, you know, they said things like, I feel more relaxed, easing into sleep and things like that. But then one thing was feeling a lot more at ease throughout the day. And when they would get uncomfortable or generally kind of uneasy, they were able to have a mantra or practice to go to, to kind of calm that. And that was very attractive to me initially that I wanted to feel like I had more access to my like central nervous system and my mind to calm myself during times when I had felt stressed. As I got more stressed out and more uneasy, I did it more and it helped more. And here we are. You mentioned that you were a hypnotherapist. That's can, right. you still, can you still practice that? My registration, certification, all that has lapsed. The, the main reason I wanted to know is I was wanting to know if you could hypnotize me on the podcast sometime. We'll, we'll <laughs> talk I about that, that some other time. No, no, that would be yeah. really cool though. Anyways, what led you to start practicing mindfulness? Yeah. So this is kind of interesting story because I did not set out to learn how to practice mindfulness. I'm kind of one of these people where I don't like doing what the norm is doing, what, what's popular. I want to go the complete other direction. Mindfulness is pretty popular, so that wouldn't be something I would normally get into. But I was practicing meditation, but a different type of meditation. It had a lot to do with visualization. I worked with a shaman in LA for four years and was really steeped in that type of practice. And then I moved here to Asheville 18 years ago, and I needed a group to sit with and do my meditation with, because that was something that I did a lot in LA was we, we meditated together. And so a group that I found was a Vipassana group, an insight meditation group, which is a mindfulness type meditation. And so I started sitting with them and I just told myself, well, I'm not going to do their thing. I'm just going to do mine. And, and it didn't take long for their philosophies and ideas to kind of seep in. And within about six months, I was switching over and doing the type of meditation that they were doing, which is based on technique. Yeah, it was kind of an accident. You touched on this a little bit, but what are some of the benefits would you say that mindfulness brings to your life, Jacob? So it started as just basic stress reduction. 
it also helped with routine development, waking up in the morning and, and sitting with your eyes closed is a pretty easy thing to ask yourself to do. So that kind of helped me develop a lot of other routines. And as I've went on with it, it's just completely changed the way my brain is structured. I would say, you know, the way that I see everything in life is now totally different and better in every single way, I would say. And this has a lot to do with, with a lot of the philosophy type stuff that that's attached to that. I think a lot of like how I view myself in the world and how I view others in the world, just the practice in and of itself, just having a way of checking out of some of the more intense negative emotions I may be experiencing and into a more peaceful one. That's the number one, I would say. And then I think that if you ask a couple of people on this call, they might say I'm a little bit more pleasant to be around. Hopefully I could only hope that. You're very pleasant to be around. (laughs) I don't know what you used to be like. (laughs) Oh, yes. I would like to ask you the exact same question. What is the greatest benefit mindfulness has brought to your life? I have dealt with some pretty severe ADHD symptoms in my life and also this like exorbitant amount of creativity. I I think I used to be one of these people that was so creative that it was like, it was hard to function. I'm sure you know some people like that. Mindfulness practice really helped me shift that around. Basically what I did is I, for nine months, I made a dedication to practice mindfulness for 60 minutes a day for nine months. I actually write about this in my memoir. It completely shifted these ADHD type symptoms. What it felt like is I was like submerged under all this water for my whole life. And then I just kind of like came up out of the water and I could finally like hear things that were happening and see things that were happening, like without all this like blur and, and all this constant uh, motion. I mean, that's very metaphorical, but it, it really is a way to, to explain how that felt. Mindfulness practice has alleviated a lot of my stress, uh, bringing myself into more trust. We're in a trusting place. It's helped me on a spiritual level. Gaining insights has been a huge part of my practice. So those insights have helped me live in this world and help me understand myself and all of the weirdness and craziness that that happens around. Uh, and then I think the, the other thing that the mindfulness practices really helped me with is moving into vulnerability, just being able to be okay with my emotions and then be okay with talking about my emotions with other people, not acting like I have it all figured out, not putting on this air that I can handle anything and kind of moving into that place that, you know, there are some things that are just really hard and it was a mindfulness practice is really what helped me get there. That really shows you the difference between, you know, 20 years meditating and, you know, whatever I have five, six or seven, that you have a, a much more articulate understanding of, of how the fabric of, of you has, has changed. Thanks, Jacob. I see some people have some questions about podcasting. So let's get into that. What was the biggest thing that you've learned through this podcasting experience? That when you take the pressure off of videoing yourself, it makes the conversation a lot more (laughs) relaxing for me. When we first started, uh, we were contemplating doing video and we decided to to not do video. So every recording I was sitting here and I was just staring at my face, paying way too much attention to that. That was very uh, stressful. So it felt like as soon as we stopped that, it got very natural very quickly. And also the fact that you do edit the podcast, I feel a lot more freedom to kind of go off on tangents about things and ramble a bit, hoping that there may be one or two little good things in what I say that we can put out there. Not videoing and editing, I think keeps uh, uh, the conversation a lot more natural for me anyways. What about you? That's interesting because that's why we aren't doing visuals because there's so much editing. And so it's so choppy that it's like my mom watched it. She's like, oh my God, (laughs) take that down. Like get rid of it. (laughs) 
it's on YouTube, but it's just a picture of us. It's not yeah. any video. Uh, yeah. I mean, this has been such a journey moving into this podcasting, something I've wanted to do for so long. And there's been a lot of surprising things for me. Uh, one is I have to pick a subject that I'm passionate about that week. Like I wish it could be like what I'm passionate about that day, but it takes a few days to prepare. So I can't do that because we did record a few episodes in the beginning that were planned out and saying, this is what we should podcast about. And they really went flat. We ended up not even publishing those podcasts. If I'm not excited, Jacob doesn't get excited. <laughs> so it's just like, it doesn't work. So that was huge learning piece for me. And so if anyone out there is interested in podcasting, yeah, I would definitely suggest that. And I do remember hearing from other podcasters saying similar things like, you know, don't just always podcast about what you think your listeners want to hear. Like you have to talk about what you want to talk about, like what's really meaningful to you because it does, it comes through. As far as advice, the biggest piece of advice I can get you, give you is find a podcast host that's awesome. That's <laughs> like, Jacob is awesome. I'm so, so grateful for Jacob. He makes the whole show. He puts me at ease. He makes me laugh. Jacob, you have just such a breadth of knowledge. Like you've just had so much um, reading and understanding that I don't even have. Like I don't have as much of, a, of education in Buddhism as Jacob does. He brings that piece and definitely makes, makes the show. I had this realization one day. We had made the shift to where you had started really talking about things that you were passionate about. I had this realization. I was like, I have access to a, a mindfulness teacher that's been doing this for, for two decades. And once I had that realization, it was like, oh, I'm now just going to open up. I'm uh, excited to ask questions and learn about things. And uh, you know, when you get excited about something, it, it's something, uh, usually it's something I haven't heard of yet. And it's just been an embarrassment of riches as far as your depth of knowledge of things. And then you're, especially the way that you really research things and develop a, a really clear understanding of the research and the data behind it, and, which is something I'm not quite as passionate about doing. So you do it for me and it's great. I don't read as many books. I read studies. I'm like just yeah. research, research, research. I just, I love reading the, the research. So we, we're a good pair that way. Yeah. And I just, I just love how relatable you are, Jacob, because when I just am casually talking to people about the podcast, that's a word that comes up over and over. It's so relatable. Like what you guys talk about, it's so relatable. So really Great. appreciate that. How about you, Jacob? Like when I first asked you, I called you on the phone and I was like, hey, we hardly knew each other. We hadn't even met. We had started to podcast before we even met in person. We met at a meetup, an online meetup at a book club online. And so I hadn't even met him in person. I called him up and asked him, hey, do you want to co-host this podcast with me? Didn't hardly know me what went through your mind one of our meetups uh, in the early stages of our meetup there weren't a, a ton of attendance so I, it was just a couple of people and then uh, Sarah was uh, having issues with reading at the time and I was one of the only people there and she was like you know I don't know if I'm gonna be able to host next month because you know my, my vision and this book isn't available on audio and to be honest, I honestly didn't think the podcast was going to be as much of a, a big deal as it is now. Like I kind of thought it would be now I'm like, wow, no, we're, we've got momentum. We're, we're doing something. This is pretty cool. You know, but had I have known the uh, amount of downloads we were going to get and everything, I, I don't, I may have been more nervous and more apprehensive, but now I've, you know, the ball's rolling. So I'm, I'm just here for the ride. It's great. Yeah. It's been a great experience out of the gate. I mean, we're getting good downloads already. We've only been doing this a month. Yeah. So there is a question in the chat about mindfulness. You know, what's the best way to get started practicing? 
Okay. So I'm a trainer by trade. So I always tell people like, you know, you can buy a book, uh, you can download an app, you can buy a Peloton, you know, you can uh, get on YouTube or you can go and pay a coach. You can just imagine the benefits and downsides of each of those things. Obviously you're going to get the best quality product. If you're standing in front of a person every day, an experienced coach, that's hopefully an expert in their field. And they can, they can give you a lot of positive feedback and really help you along the journey. If, if barrier for entry is very low, then, you know, take 20 minutes in the morning and sit down and, and start, see what your mind does. If you're curious about the nature of your mind, sit down and observe it 20 minutes a day and just start there. Now, if you struggle with accountability and things like that, an app is good. And then if you really want to get the goods, getting a teacher is going to be the best way to do it. It just depends on your temperament, your financial situation, your time commitment, accountability, and, and all that. The way I look at what mindfulness is, it's on three levels. The first level is mindfulness of your physical world, your physical surroundings. So being mindful of the sounds, being mindful of physical feelings in your sensations in your body, being mindful of your breath, which is a combination of sounds and physical sensations in your body. If you have your eyes open, some people meditate like this, looking at a plant. That's like number one, first place to start is just, you know, if you want to do five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, choose looking at a plant, choose listening to sounds, choose noticing your breath or choose body sensation. And then as you develop your practice, the next step back is to become mindful of your thoughts and emotions. And then the third step, I would say, being mindful of your attention. What type of attention are you bringing to the moment? Are you in a judgmental attention? Are you in a non-judgmental attention? Are you in a quantumous attention emotionally calm? Are you in an emotional attention? Are you bringing emotion to the experience? And not that one is any better than the other. It's just being mindful of that. Like if you are a little bit angry before something happened, before you sit down to meditate and you're bringing that anger into the practice, just being mindful of, you know what, I'm noticing I'm bringing some anger into the practice and I'm, I'm looking at my plant with a little bit of anger. You know, that's mindfulness. If that's what your 10 minutes is, is just noticing that, that that's what's going on. then that's awesome. Like that's, you're doing exactly what you need to do. Jacob was so good about asking, well, what is your vision? What is your vision? I did have a vision in the beginning and still holds true is that I have some unique ways of teaching mindfulness, uh, some unique strategies that I've found to be really helpful with my students over the year. So I'd like to be able to share those with other people because you're not going to hear those in, on other podcasts and also have this strong belief that our brains are not designed for our environment. And what I mean by that, our society has grown more quickly than our brains have been able to evolve. It causes anxiety, it causes depression and things like this. And so mindfulness is such a good antidote for that. We can use mindfulness to actually function in, in everything that's going on. So that's, that's also a big part of the vision is to get some of those ideas across the other thing is, is I'd like to talk about current events through the lens of mindfulness. And we've been doing that a little bit. And for example, going forward, I'd like to talk about uh, racism through the lens of mindfulness. I'd like to talk about political divide through the lens of mindfulness. So that's another vision for the podcast. So appreciative that you all are here. I feel so loved. I feel so supported. And Jacob, any more words that you'd like to share before we uh, move on to the prizes? I'm just really grateful for you uh, giving me the 
opportunity to be a part of something like this. This is amazing. Uh, I had always bored my poor wife with conversations about mindfulness that she's not as interested in as me. And so now I have an outlet or somebody to talk to about it and uh, an expert to talk to about it. So I'm just very grateful. And I'm very grateful for everybody that came. It's amazing for you all to spend some time on a Monday hanging out. I mean, you do get prizes, but still you did it. And, and, you know, so I'm proud of you and I'm proud of us and on to the prizes.